decided what to say we're trying this thing where we're <laughs> trying to make our intros a little bit i don't know different well, than, let's try what we're how's trying it going? Oh, i got it i got it okay you got, got it, it. You okay got ready it. hello lovers hi <laughs> i'm keeping all this this is funny sexy sexy <laughs> okay let's just go back to how are you how are you doing i think that's that's fine um how are you doing caitlin Sexy, sexy. <laughs> that's a good. That's actually a pretty good lead into this episode. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> we true. were taking photos of some of the covers, like with our nail colors for social media. She has sexy covers. They're very sexy. And I, I typically don't love romance novel covers because there's so many nude men, and like I don't need that. But she picked good models. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't hate any of them. No, no, I don't. So this is Love and <laughs> a Romance Podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Kristen. And today we're talking about one of our favorite authors uh, and the queen of the slow burn, Elizabeth O'Rourke. Yes. I would say that Mariana Zapata is actually the, the queen, okay, queen, queen, okay, okay, the okay. overlord of slow burn. But Elizabeth <laughs> O'Rourke is, when I think of her, it's sexual tension mm-hmm. and slow burn for sure. Yeah, I guess it's. I guess you do usually get a little. I mean, Mariana Zapata, like you, it's like in the last ten pages that they find. Like literally ninety-seven percent yeah. is when they. Yeah, yeah. Elizabeth yeah. work doesn't keep us waiting that long, but the the sexual tension is amazing. Yeah, and and the slow burn is great too. But it yes, so leading right in, when I think of Elizabeth O'Rourke, I think of sexual tension, the most delicious kind. Yeah, and angst, but not heartbreaking. No, it's not angst. dark. It's like sexual angst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the reason that we chose to do an episode on Elizabeth O'Rourke is that we both sort of just stumbled upon her work, and I don't, I don't feel like I see it recommended very many places. I don't see it on Reddit. Like I don't. Well, I, I think we just discovered her, and then we like read her whole catalog, yes. and she's amazing. But well, I, I did. I do see her on Reddit. I always see her on like a gush post mm, okay. where they're just like, "Hey, I found this book, and I just need to tell you about it, and it was amazing." Like, I feel all of her, like all of her books, are like sleepers. They're they're. In the sense that, like, somehow people haven't figured so out, haven't found, found out about yes. her yet. And then Which when people do, have. they're like, oh, my fucking God, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then she also has a relatively small catalog. I feel like I've actually read her entire catalog. Yeah. Except for one book, which she actually rewrote. Yeah. Um, which we'll talk about. So I didn't read the first edition of it. Yeah. But yeah, she's, she's so amazing i don't know i don't know like i I, yeah i love every single one of her books and i think that's kind of rare i've read like almost full catalogs of a couple authors now and mm -hmm. there's always one or two where i'm like eh but i really i just really really like every one of her books which is amazing there i feel like i have a lot of authors where i'm like well when i see something new is coming out i definitely want to check it out but there's i have a short list of authors like under five where i'm always like i'm definitely going to read it and i don't even need to read this the book summary Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i will download it immediately yep and she's on there so so yeah first of all sexual angst sexual tension what else do you think of when you think of elizabeth o'rourke so she's great at the enemies to lovers yes situation and we'll talk about the devil series which really really brings in the name forefront yeah it's in the name but yeah that she has a lot of she's so she has a couple of series where they're in the same universe but they're not like super overlapping Mm -hmm. and a lot of those deal with enemies to lovers and the the tension is so good yeah and i would say her heroes definitely lean towards a little bit of the alpha like there's a lot of jealousy possessiveness but not in a toxic way Mm -hmm. and I kind of waited to a little bit of like Tessa Bailey's heroes somewhat. There's less dirty talk in Elizabeth O'Rourke's books, but she has really good steam all around. She hits all of the high points that I love in mm-hmm. a romance novel. The other thing is, you know, especially the first book that we're going to talk about, which is the first of hers that I read, I was so blown away by what I felt was the uniqueness of the story. Mm-hmm. And even in some of the books, I feel like where it touches on tropes or like situations that have been done before, 
I don't know, it's the way she writes it or how she does the characters that makes me feel like it's brand new and it's like really novel. Yeah, yeah, and we also were talking about this earlier that her character development is so amazing. Like I just, I really, sometimes I read a book and I'm like, okay, like that was cute, but I don't really feel like I was in the character's life, Mm -hmm. in the character's lives. And all of her books, I really feel like I know the characters and I really care about them. Yes. Okay, yes. So to that point, I would say overall as a romance reader, I, thinking about all the books I've read, I like way more of the male main characters in books than female main characters. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's because a lot of books, like, you know, you kind of step into the female main character's shoes and so the male main character is definitely like the outside person to your point of view where like you can really appreciate them as a separate character. If I had to pick a character I liked more in a story, I often pick the male main character. I love all of Elizabeth O'Rourke's male heroes. I think they're all great. But I also like a lot of her heroines more so than other authors. They all have really unique and well-defined character Mm -hmm. and personality and backstory. But I also just... I also just really like them. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be friends with all the people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't feel that about all heroines. Sometimes I'll read a book and like the hero is very swoony and I love him, but like the heroine, I could take or leave. Yeah. And I just, I don't think I feel that way about any of her female main characters now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I also feel like all of her female characters could be friends. Yeah. Like across the universes of yeah. her books. And they're all, I would say they're all pretty... They're pretty powerful women. Mm-hmm. And they, that's not to say that they have don't have flaws or challenges, but they're all pretty strong. Very strong. And relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, and I think actually the way she fleshes out her female characters also feels unique and novel to me and like adds to the story feeling like it's new, even if it's sort of a trope or situation that has been done before. Yeah. 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 Well, before we get into the books, we should say our nail colors since you picked them out today yeah okay so in honor of elizabeth o'rourke's books being let's say lots of sexual angst like we said a lot of there's a fair amount of drama i would say and they move pretty fast i would say there there's not a lot of dead time in her books no i would i was actually i was gonna mention this i often read elizabeth o'rourke books cover to cover in one sitting yeah yeah so do i they keep going there there's not like a lot of slow points the characters tend to get together on this on the page right away and so you you see that interaction right away okay so i am wearing a drama at la scala which is a dark bluish with like a hint of green maybe it's really pretty yeah and i'm wearing never a dullest moment which is a summery yellow it's actually probably from the dc collection yes but and i think mine's from the italy collection yeah but it fits fits the fast pace of her novels also she lives in dc actually oh i didn't know that yeah yeah and at least one of her novels the character is from dc parallel series no one but us Oh, yeah. I think yeah. Parallel, part parallel of Parallel Sisters, too. Yeah, yeah. Is. So it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. she's from D.C. And so are we, once upon a time. So mm, yes. connect. Okay, so let's jump right in and talk about the first Elizabeth O'Rourke book we both read. And still one of my favorite books of, of all, all time. Of all time. I've read it like three times. I've, yeah, I actually just reread it for this. And also, when I do my rereads, I also do my rereads in like 24 hours. They're oh, yeah. just that good. Yeah. So can I talk about it? Do you yeah. Want to talk no, about go it? for it. Okay, so Waking Olivia by obviously Elizabeth O'Rourke. This is about about Olivia and Will, and it is a, I guess it is a grumpy, grumpy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pairing, which is different than what you normally Well, see. I didn't, I in our notes, I didn't write it for every book, whether it was grumpy sunshine or whatnot, but like this is, they are both definitely, yeah. like Olivia is a grumpy character and yeah. Will is too. So yeah. I feel like that more so than her other books, the, the hero, heroine stands out as someone who's definite grump. Yeah, this is definitely an enemies to lovers situation. It's a dual perspective with both of them. So the premise of this book is that Olivia is a junior in college. She's a track star, track and field star. She was kicked out of her last school and she was brought on with a scholarship to this team because she was in a D1 running school. Now she's in, a, I think it's D3. Yes. And that um, stands for like division, which right. if you're not so, familiar with college sports, 
I'm not super D- familiar D1 either. D1 is really fast. Yes. And D3 yes. is less yes. fast. <laughs> so One she... would be like a higher, like a more elite level right. com- competition. Right. So this school brings her on because they really need a star. They really need, they haven't placed in years. So they want to bring her on. So they bring her on despite the fact that she was kicked out of her last school for essentially attacking a, a classmate. And we don't yeah. really know why at the beginning of the book that that happened. So right from the first scene, she meets Will, and Will is the coach of the women's cross-country team. Or track team? Both. They run. Okay. (laughs) Running team. (laughs) Running team. So they immediately start butting heads because he doesn't want her to be there. He thinks that she is a liability. He He doesn't trust her. And then from the very first practice, when she's trying to show up this super bitchy girl named Betsy, who's being really mean to her for no reason... Will basically just says, like, you're not a team player, and he's always yelling at her, and yeah. she she struggles with a lot of things, and she does not need a man yelling at her for shit that she doesn't think she deserves. She does have a, a big attitude, though. Like, she does, not, yeah. She, she comes into that first meeting with Will not as, like, hey, I'm so happy to be here. She's a grump. Yeah. She... She's basically like, you're. I already know you're going to kick me out and you're not going to like me, so yeah, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so they butt heads immediately. And yeah. also, the you know, the backstory on Will is, I forget, what what did he want to be doing? So he wanted to be, he's a climber, so he wanted to be That's leading right. leading climbs, leading tracks. And he was doing that, and then he was gone on a track and his father died while he was gone. And his father never wanted him to do that. His father wanted him to run the farm, the family farm. So after Will's father's death, he decides to give up that dream run the family farm to support his mother and also work part-time as this coach so that he can put his younger brother through school. So he has basically decided that his dreams are never going to happen and he's just going to focus on his family. He's also dating somebody that his father really wanted him to date. Because I about that part. Yeah, I fucking hate her. Um, <laughs> I don't remember her being in the book that much. Is oh, she? she is. She's she? the whole... She's she's a meddler. She's a... Ugh. And I gotta, like read, so this, much I gotta read this book for a fourth you gotta, time now. Yeah, you gotta read it again. So he's, he's basically living his life for everybody but himself. And then this feisty, apparently strikingly beautiful, troubled track star comes into his life and riles him up in the best possible way and also pisses him off constantly. And, um, yeah, and they start spending a lot of time together. So the thing about this book and the reason it's called Waking Olivia is that, and this is also one of my favorite things, like I told you, people waking up from bad dreams. This is like my That's book. your thing. This is my thing. That's, and that's why okay. I love this book so fucking much. Having a bad dream and being like yes. woken up okay, by the so, hero is a thing. So Olivia doesn't just sleepwalk. Olivia runs in her sleep and she has horrifying nightmares and she always runs into the woods. She sleeps in like a sports singlet and shorts and because she knows she's she's done it for years she's done it since she was like six years old and so the first like the first day of practice with will she ends up running like seven miles because she wakes up in a field somewhere and has to find her way home like her feet are all cut up she's got cuts on her legs she's always injured and like she never really knows she has no idea what's happening while she's asleep so she shows up to practice runs terribly and he's like what the fuck is wrong with you and she just decides, she's like, oh, I ran before practice. And he's like, don't fucking do that. I'm your coach. Yeah. You, you she's are not, gonna... not allowed to run anymore. And she's like, well, in her head, she's like, well, if I could choose to do that, I yeah. would still be at the school. But she doesn't want to show that she's vulnerable. So right. she doesn't. And nobody, and she's shared that in the past and it's worked out really poorly for her. Yeah. So she's not going to tell him what's going on. She's just going to try to deal with it herself. So that becomes one of the things that they butt heads about is that he wants her to perform and to be a good teammate. And she's dealing with this thing she can't control that that like directly impacts his ability their hit their team's ability to place and her yes. ability to and she doesn't really this. understand why it's happening she doesn't have any family she doesn't have any friends she's moved to this new town on her own and and so i actually think the whole running in the sleep thing was what first made this novel seem crazy unique to me because I had never seen that set up even mm-hmm. though like the underlying fundamentals of the book really follow like, an enemies to lovers and all that stuff yeah she runs in her sleep it's insane I would say this book has a little bit of crossover with dark romance just because of things that happened in her past that you find out later on that help yeah. illuminate why this is happening yeah I mean you know from what's going on with her now that her past is really traumatic and so I won't go into all the details of how this happens but Will finds out about her running and the fact that she can't control it at some point, obviously, and he decides to step in and stop her from running, which means he has to be there wherever she is, like the night before meets, so that she doesn't do it. So he 
I think stays outside her apartment the first time and ends up catching her. And then she ends up sleeping at the at his mom's farm and he sleeps on the couch. And so they start spending a lot of time together that way. She gets ingrained in his family life. His mom really loves her. His brother like starts hitting on her and he gets really pissed about it. And then his brother and Olivia become friends. So she's just she's just in- integrated into his life really seamlessly. And uh, And there's a lot of sexual tension that builds when they both realize, especially when Will realizes that this is not of her own choosing that she's doing this pre-competition running and so they definitely start to build some sexual tension when they start to become friendly i would say this is definitely the case of a misjudged heroine which i personally love 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 a misjudged because there's always like a little bit of grovel involved big or small on the hero's part and in this case will realizes that he completely misjudged her about how she was handling like competition and being a serious athlete and then uh, it switches where he starts to become worried for her he's like oh my god you're running barefoot and you're ending up in the middle of nowhere like how how, that's not safe yeah and on her side i mean she's lived most of her life without anybody in her corner and when will starts to want her to succeed and he's doing all these things he's risking his job he's doing all this stuff so she can perform well she starts wanting to perform for him because he's the only person who's really cared about her there's also a lot of good character development outside of the relationship. Like she starts becoming friends with a couple of girls on the team and she never really had friends and, you know, she becomes friends with his family and it's just, it's just really, a really nice story all around. Also, th- this is not an age gap. Will is like five or six years older than her. Yeah. So it's not like, he's not like 40. No. <laughs> really, I should mention remind that. me, was this a dual perspective? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And one of the people she actually becomes friends with is Aaron, who's another girl on the track team. And you're right, that is a good relationship because Olivia, Aaron tries to talk to her and Olivia is like, what? Why are you talking to me? Like, what? <laughs> Ignore me. I'm the emo chick in the corner that doesn't talk yeah. to anyone. Yeah. And there is a, I guess I guess it's a series, but it's just a related book called Drowning Aaron, which is actually about this friend Aaron and Will's brother, Brendan. I really Brendan. liked that yeah. book. Which is was also very good. But yeah, I agree. This was a great entry book into elizabeth o'rourke and just if you i would say if you read no other elizabeth o'rourke read this one i just thought it was so unique yeah i just love the way that he supports her and loves her and wants her to succeed like it's just it's really well paced it's just really nice damn it i want to read it again it's so good i want to read drowning aaron again we're not talking about that now i'm gonna after every book we talk about i'm like i want to read it again i want to okay well i want to read the devil series again so let's move on to that the second book I read from Elizabeth O'Rourke is called A Deal with the Devil. It was book one of her Devil series. Although when I read it, there was no other books in the series out in it. Yeah. And all these books can be read as a standalone. And actually what I really like about them is that they're loosely connected. I know a lot of people love series when they see like characters from the other books come in. I don't really love that so much. I, I mean, they do come in, but it's They come in, light. but it's it's super light and it doesn't... It doesn't give away so much of what happens. Sometimes I read a book and it might be like the second in a series and I haven't picked up the first. And the characters in the second book are like, yeah, you know, these other people, they finally got together. and But it took a long time for them to meet and all this shit happened and it'll like go into stuff. I read a book recently like that and I was like, well, now I can't read the first book because you've actually like <laughs> ruined the entire plot for me. So anyway, that is to say that this, the books here are loosely connected. The hero and heroine here are Tally and Hayes. This is a single point of view, so she doesn't always do dual perspectives. Tally is a young woman who is living in LA. She is kind of drowning in debt, and she gets this opportunity to step in as an assistant for a very well-to-do plastic surgeon who is Hayes. He's a he's a Brit. He's I always t- forget that about him. He's a total grump. Yeah. Yeah. Vitaly's friend Jonathan is, I think, adopting a kid with his partner. And so he needs six weeks off or something like that. And so Tally agrees to step in and be an assistant for Hayes in his house where he works. And then he, like, goes to do some plastic surgery appointments out of the house or the people come there and he has consultations. So she steps in and this is – I would say this is like a – office type romance without the office setting Hayes is a total grump not very wordy and Tally is very 
She's also kind of a grump. She is kind, kind of, of a grump, grump, but she is really... The banter is great. She's really yeah. sassy. She's very sassy. So she shows up in his house the first day, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Because he didn't expect her to be his assistant stand-in. And so you don't really know right off the bat what his problem is with her or why he doesn't like her, and that, that comes to light later in the book. But yeah, they immediately have this amazing back and forth. Like Yeah. and you, I, she, does, she doesn't like him because he's bringing home women every night, and he doesn't like her for some reason we don't understand. Yeah, and you do get the sense that like he's really annoyed by her, and she is just like, I don't fucking care, man. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, I'm here for my paycheck? Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. But over time, they become friends and eventually lovers, and I... Oh God, I really liked the slow burn on this one. I don't know. You have more to say about this one if you read it more recently. Oh, I just specific things. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else is there to say about this? His oh, he's got an interesting like family history. I think his dad is dating his ex fiance oh, yes, or ex girlfriend, right. and that's yeah. really awkward. And he also just thinks. I mean, he's a plastic surgeon, but he's his dream was to help children right. with yeah. reconstructive surgery and then i think he he lost a kid or something and then mm-hmm. like one of his patients and decided he couldn't do it anymore so he's trying to figure out i mean similar to you know will he's trying to figure out how to be happy and what and what to do with his life and she comes in and you know but his his sort of story and personality comes out a little bit slower first of all because you don't have the dual perspective yeah. but also he's just a little bit of a like a, a quieter grumpy hero yeah yeah well yeah and you start to see it because it's single perspective you start to see it in you know more of the the, the actions like he stops bringing women home as much yeah when she, when she starts coming around and, and i can't remember if it was like she one you know one day she doesn't annoy him as much or doesn't do something that she had been doing and he's like why why did you stop doing this like he was starts expecting mm-hmm. her to like be there at certain times or like say certain mm-hmm. things to him even if it's with an attitude yeah he comes to kind of rely on her presence yeah she like forces him to eat healthy lunch yeah <laughs> he's like what what am i doing yeah 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 no uh, it's just great so it's really great i love a grumpy brit yeah who doesn't i mean really okay so the second book in that series is called the devil and the deep blue sea this is drew and joshua so drew is a female character she shows up in the first book because she calls hay's office to get an appointment for plastic surgery because she has a lot of body image issues and Tolly basically is like, oh, you're Drew Wilson? Like, you, do, you don't need plastic surgery. What are you doing? Why are you calling this guy? <laughs> so they end up becoming friends. Totally unlikely. Which I, which I love because – so Drew is a pop star. And, yeah. and Tolly is just like, I'm just going to tell you what I think and I don't care who you are. And they become friends. Yeah, they become friends. They start hanging out. And Drew is in this really shitty relationship with this rock star named Six. Just stupid name. Stupid name. And he's a dick to her and he doesn't, he thinks, he tells her that she needs plastic surgery or that she needs to lose weight and he's just, I mean, bullshit basically. So this is the dual perspective. It's a forbidden romance and Drew and Joshua is the hero. Joshua is Six's brother. Yes. And how this, how this setup works is that Drew and Six have broken up again. I feel like they Mm -hmm. did a lot of on and off. Yeah. But... Six convinces Drew to come to Hawaii on his family's vacation. And she happens to, I think, really like his parents. And for some reason, she she decides to go, even though she really doesn't have an intention of starting her relationship with Six again. I don't, can't remember exactly. Maybe she just wanted a break. Anyway, she just she decides to go to Hawaii for like a week or something. Her. He probably guilts her. And so she shows up in Hawaii and she meets, uh, or not meets for the first time, but she gets together with Six's parents and then Joshua is Six's brother. He's there. And Six does not show up. Because he is a douche. Because he's a dick. Yeah. So then she's like, well, this is awkward, but I'm going to stay anyway. Whatever. Joshua does not like Drew. <laughs> they they don't like each other. And I think from his perspective, he is very much like this woman is an entitled pop star and superficial and again a misjudged heroin type issue where he he just dislikes her and i i don't think he has high respect for his brother either and so i'm sure that plays into like oh this woman is was with my brother so like she can't be that uh, valuable (laughs) but also i don't think drew is living the life that she really wants to be living either she in order to become famous really gave up a lot of her control over her life and she let 
the record producers and other people really define her image. So she is on the surface this like vapid pop star, but really she wants to be, you know, writing her own music and doing more of a singer songwriter, like low key thing. But to stay relevant, to stay in the music industry, she feels like she needs to be this other person. So that plays into his opinions of her. Yes. So Joshua is a nerdy hot doctor. So many of those. Yeah. He works in, I think he's, he's doing current work somewhere in Africa. Yeah. And so he's taken this vacation. I think it's like a week or two, but then he has to go back. And so because Six doesn't show up, Joshua and Drew end up spending a lot of time together with his parents there, but also a lot without his parents because they go off and do their own thing. And they start to struggle with their attraction to each other. That's pretty much the premise of the book. I mean, they, they're like in Hawaii. They're yeah. doing things. Sometimes the parents, you know, they can't stay out all day. So they end up doing stuff together. Yeah. Eventually Six does show up. And he does show up. And it's gotten to the point where like there is clearly an attraction that right. both of them are kind of acknowledging between each other. And then it's like, oh, hey, my ex-boyfriend's here. Yeah. Great. And he's like, oh, we're going to share a room and like do it. Right. And she's like, mm, not going to sleep with you now. Like, yeah. Kind of want to fuck your brother. Yep. But I, so yeah, that's the element romance of it, totally. Uh, but I, I really like this. I really liked Drew. Again, she's yeah. another heroine that I just really liked and and connected with. And you, I could totally, it was totally believable to me that she was a very strong, hard-ass character, but was also struggling with letting other people control her in the industry. I don't know. I think some authors write characters, especially women who or they're like all hard or all soft and there's no in between and like we can be both. And so you see that here. I think really well. Okay, I want you to talk about the last book of the Devil series which just came out like which is in, why we're doing this episode. It came now. out like in the last month or two and it's not even going to be the last book of the Devil series because it turns out another one is coming out in 2024. I don't know who it'll be about, but go. This book is called The Devil You Know. The third book in the series, main characters are Gemma and Ben, whose names I love. Ben, I think, shows up in the first one. I think he is a, he's friends with Hayes. He's a, so he's an attorney. And he's, he's friends with Drew. He might be friends with Hayes. Maybe he met Drew through Hayes. I think he did. Yes. Okay. So he's, an, he he's an attorney up. and I think he might've been Hayes' attorney or like his yeah, good I think, friend. I, I feel like he shows up at some point and Tali interacts with him and yeah. Hayes is like, don't fucking look at her. Yes. Like, yes, it's like yes. one of those moments. Totally. Yeah, yeah. But this is like, again, like these are loosely connected. The characters sometimes show up, but that's why I can't even guess who would be in the fourth book yet because there's not a clear, this is the universe yeah. of characters in this series. This is a single perspective told in, in Gemma's voice. It's an office enemies to lovers romance. They are lawyers working at the same firm. Now, I love this premise, okay? I love Kristen and I are both lawyers. I think there's a lot of material there. He's a partner, she's an associate, she's up for partner, and there's a lot of like there's a lot of drama between that. I just wanna say really briefly, there are a couple of things where Kristen and I were texting each other like, that's not how it works in a law firm, or like that's maybe not. <laughs> I'm sure if it. you are a romance reader and you also have, I don't know, another job, like you're a doctor or I don't know, you work, you're a waitress, whatever. There's probably things when you read a book where a character has that same job where you're like, this is not how it works. I actually don't read lawyer romances because I, it's not too only, distracting. it's too distracting, but also like I do that at my job. I don't need it in my books. I wasn't going to say no to this book because it's Elizabeth O'Rourke and I thought it was very good, but yes, I was heavily distracted <laughs> by a lot of, um, things that were wrong about <laughs> about like cases cases and how like it works to be at a firm and like and, like practice groups practice and, which like, ones you do I just there was a long text line long long group of texts back and forth yeah. about like this is not how it works that being said love the book so we love you Elizabeth this is part it was yes. great we love it yes and we're happy to chat about anything involving research rooms. Rooms. yeah we'll talk, we'll talk about it so um <laughs> Gemma has been at the firm for a couple years. Ben has been at the firm for two years, and he came in as a partner. And Gemma is super kick-ass. She is a total champion for women and her clients because her mother, when she got divorced from her father, got really like thrown under the bus and lost everything, basically, and is living in poverty while her dad you know, lives a fine life as an attorney himself. So she basically sees herself as a champion for 
her female clients, um, whether they be pro bono or, you know, family law cases or gender discrimination in the workplace kind of cases. So, so that is her, her goal. And Ben is a super grumpy partner who say he's is super very, grumpy. He's grumpy towards her. Yeah. They, and they butt heads all the time. So I would say this, he's like a haze grump though. No, 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 he's not. But they have a staff meeting every other week and he, his eyes are always on her. He's always making some like jab at her and she's always responding and like, they just are constantly, it kind of reminded me of the hating game. Like they have that energy together, which is amazing. So they have just a ton of really good banter back and forth. And then she's trying to be partner. So she ends up working on this big case with Ben because if they do really well in this case and get the firm a lot of prestige, she thinks she'll be partner. And this firm does not have any female partners. Well, I was going to say, yeah. So part of, part of the thing I struggled with reading this book is that she is working for this firm where there are no female partners. They treat her like shit. They don't give her accolades for work that she's actually done. And her whole goal is she's like, I need to be a partner and be the woman in the room who can make these decisions to make it different for other people. And listen, I respect that. I understand that. But there are so many law firms that are doing it right that I just was like pissed off for her for being in this. I was like, you should just fucking leave because you're making them money. You're giving them prestige and they're not doing shit for you. And the best thing you could do for other people would probably be to leave and like start your own firm well, or go somewhere else the one and bring thing women i didn't there. think was pretty accurate sadly is that she works all the time she's she like, does weekends yeah. i'm in there saturday sunday yeah at nighttime i mean she also accurate. takes it but like again like she is giving so much time yeah. to this firm and there are other places i'd so be fucking out firm. of there yeah i would <laughs> i mean like any other firm would hire her she's like so good at her job yeah. and so dedicated um she really doesn't have anything else going on in her life she avoids talking to her dad she struggles with her mom because her mom doesn't want her to doesn't want to take charity from her daughter since Gemma now makes a bunch of money and could you know support her but her mom doesn't want to let her do that so she doesn't have any she's like hasn't dated in a long time she's just totally married to her job and Ben is similar I mean he's often at the office when she is so they're often the last two there which obviously makes for a lot of close proximity and yeah, it's a fast sexual burn, slow emotional burn, romantic burn. They, there, there's uh, they there's more there's sex on the page faster than there are in some yes. of other Elizabeth yes. Rourke's books, which is which I think is good for a variety of in in all of her no, books. No, but, and but it's definitely really a slow burn still in the emotional perspective. Yeah, they they essentially have sex, and then he sort of makes a joke and says something. There's that, a lot of push and pull yes, with their relationship, and she. Based on what he says, she understands that, you know, he doesn't actually care about her and he just wanted to sleep with her. And she's like, fuck you. And I'm out of here. And so it's a lot of that push and pull energy where neither of them is really saying, maybe they haven't realized it and they're not saying how they feel about each other. And so there's sort of this push and pull. And and as that's going on, they're doing these cases together. She's struggling with finding her place in this firm and fighting for her spot And then there's a bunch of bullshit from her past and her previous firm and a previous relationship that starts sort of impacting her life now. And has also impacted how she approaches relationships with men. Yeah. And she talks about in the beginning of the book at how she is known to be, I forget the word she used, but she's like known to be like the office bitch in the same way that like men who do good at their job are praised and women who do good at their job are like a bitch and you know have no emotions and like cold and whatever men would be honored for doing that kind of thing just I also people just, treat women differently I just felt like this book touched on a lot of themes that I think about frequently probably because of my job but also because of the me too movement and other stuff like she's mm-hmm. sexually harassed by a client I mean this it's like a lot of stuff where I was like yeah yeah, she would probably be dealing with that and that's actually probably accurate as to what her experience would be like being a woman in this firm or a woman in this field or a woman in that position so I feel like we got that with Drew in the the devil in the deep blue sea how she's sort of exploited by the music industry and I yeah I think that Elizabeth pushes that even further in a realistic way of like really kind of exposing like this is this is what women deal with but and and Gemma's another female character that I really liked. I know, me and too. I thought it was really well fleshed out. Yeah, yeah. She made me want to. I was like, oh, I want to. I mean, I do a lot of pro bono. I was like, I want to go do this kind of pro bono. You're like changing so many lives. <laughs> the other thing is, though, since I recently left my law firm to move in house, I was 
validated <laughs> by my decision to move in house by the fact like, that she works all the time yeah like i'm great it's great you're having this like sexy office romance but girl i'm not working past five anymore she's like in the office on thanksgiving yeah i'm like <laughs> yeah. nope said bye to that not mad about it so yeah <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still there, so careful. All right, so no one but us. Do you want to give us? Yeah, I'll talk about this because I I read this twice. No one but us is a novel between Elle and James. It's a forbidden best friend's brother romance, and it's also a little bit of an age gap. It I don't really consider it an age gap, but the characters do, or at least one of them does. So uh, that's why I'll bring it up. It's a dual perspective. This book is a rewrite of one of her earlier books, Bloom. I that Bloom is like the only book of hers that I haven't read, but Can I guess Can you even get it anymore? I don't think it's... I don't know. I don't know, but apparently it was like a single point of view just from Elle's perspective and it was kind of a different plot. So this is this is a rewrite and I I loved this book. So I don't have a comparison, but she did a great job with it. So Ellen James Elle is the daughter of this hotshot media personality who's her dad and also a former model. And Elle's mother is like the model that all of her friends had a poster of up in high school, like a bikini on the beach. Like you get the sense that her mother was like... It's like Pamela Anderson Yeah, 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 exactly. Showed a lot of skin, was like the lusted after yeah. by all of Elle's friends like it was made it seem like she was uncomfortable growing up yeah having and, that. and Elle is like the spitting image of her mother exactly exactly which is something she deals with because she is 19 in this book when the, the events of the book take place her parents have largely ignored her her whole life like she's never really had someone in her corner and she's she actually does want to be like a newscaster so she, that she desires that but she has always been really uncomfortable with the fact that people do now compare her to her mother mm-hmm. and also not only assume that she's just like an extremely sexual being because she looks like her mother now, but that she uses that to her advantage and she's right. like nothing but her looks. Right. And she has really strived to make that not happen. Yeah. So the beginning of the book happens where she is on her way to an, her internship in New York City where she's doing an, uh, an internship at a news station to learn how to be a news anchor and the same day she's on her way there this article comes out with pictures of her boss who's a news anchor walking out of a restaurant with Elle and the media has identified Elle as the woman but Elle comes to find that that there's a speculation floating around that her boss whose name is Edward I think something yeah I think so um is having an affair with Elle who's an intern and Elle is like no, no, no. I've known Edward since I was like younger. Right. He's my dad's friend. Right. But obviously, you know, the media is again like exploiting and like misjudging her as someone who is just is having this affair with this older man to get into this position. Right. Well, and also already people at her job assumed that she got her job because of yes. her dad and because she knew Edward. And so she's already been working twice as hard to prove that she deserves a spot there. So exactly. this is just like... She's like, well, I can't fucking win. Like, I'm, yeah. you know. Yeah, she's already, you know, starting two steps back right. just based on that. And so the day she comes to the internship and this article comes out, they tell her, you know, the media hasn't identified you in this picture yet, but the news anchor, Edward, like, we have to rehab his image now and we need to let you go. Mm-hmm. So she's like, this is bullshit. Like, I didn't do anything and I'm the one being punished as the woman, um, it, which is horrible. So... Yeah. She calls her dad, who is dealing with his own public scandal because he's impregnated like a 23-year-old or something. And he's like, you got to lay low. Don't talk to the media. I heard about the Edward stuff. Just just don't talk to anyone. Let me get my job squared away. So she decides to go for the summer to Rehoboth Beach in Delaware. Her best friend Ginny uh, is staying at her parents' house there. And she's just going to have a summer at the beach mm-hmm. with her best friend. And also at the beach with Ginny is Ginny's brother, James, yes. and James's best friend. Yes. And Elle loves James. Hearts everywhere. Yeah, yes. so Ginny and Elle grew up together. I, I don't think in Rehoboth. I can't remember where. I think in D.C. Yeah, in D.C. maybe. And when, so they were best friends, and Elle always loved James. James is six years older, yeah. so... And they haven't seen each other in about six years. Five years. Five years. Yes. Yeah. So when uh, Elle is 14, 
her parents move away and obviously take Elle with her. But Elle and Ginny have stayed in contact since they're 14, so she's 19 now. So five years, she's stayed in contact with Ginny. They're still best friends. But Elle hasn't seen James in five years now. So she's 19, he's 25. She finds out that he's going to be staying at the summer house. And so she's like, well... I already wanted to see my best friend, but now I'm definitely going. Because she... Now I'm an adult. Yeah, she doesn't know... She hasn't seen James in so long. She hasn't talked to him. But she still has, you know, teenage butterflies for him. So she shows up, and James is kind of a dick to her. Mm -hmm. Like, right away. Mm -hmm. Kind of the theme of the book. It's the theme of a lot of these books. Yeah, yeah. So, and this is a dual perspective. James likes Elle right away and he remembers when she was younger mm-hmm. and he always felt like very familial like not familiar but he always felt like very protective of her yeah. as a kid too yeah. and then she shows up looking the way she does now and he's like what the fuck yeah. and also nobody better be looking at her he is very <laughs> possessive he he embodies a lot of this i like you but i don't want to so i'm gonna treat you like shit that's like the bully which is not (laughs) not everyone's thing i I wouldn't take it to a bully perspective he's just like he's struggling so much with his attraction and the reason he's struggling with it is because one the age gap seems to really freak him out and bother him which i only believe to a certain point but i guess the other thing in this corner is his parents really don't like Elle's family and you don't really find out until later in the book why but his parents are like already super upset that Elle is staying at the house for the summer and they're like, you have to send her home. And he says no. So he is really hesitant to, to act on his feelings for her because he doesn't want to upset his parents and, like, mm-hmm. cause all that drama. So they basically have this push and pull all summer. She, you know, is a little bit upfront at some points about how she feels for him. And he is, like, struggling with, like, giving in or not. But she also struggles with her feelings female friendship with Ginny Mm -hmm. which I actually like that they put in there because they have a little bit of a falling out over the summer yeah and part of it is that Ginny is sort of now a little bit jealous of Elle Ginny has always felt you know as soon as Elle walks into a room no other guys look at Ginny like that sort of thing that felt really authentic to me yeah from like a teenage female friendship perspective because I feel like I've dealt with that I've had those friendships that can change pretty rapidly as you're in that age range. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just felt really real well, to me. And to add to the drama with that, Jenny really likes the girl that James was dating at law school and, and, and allows this woman to sort of poison her mind against Elle because this person, you know, sees what a lot of people see in Elle, which is her mother and her looks yeah. and the fact that she can get whatever she wants Jenny from Jenny buys men. into it. And, yeah. and she... Yeah, and it, it and Elle, again, becomes at a lot of points in the book thinking, like, wow, I have no one in my corner. Right. So I the thing with, with Elle is she's another female character that I really like. I thought it was really interesting to have a character who is very beautiful. And I, I say that as in, like, I feel like a lot of books, some a lot of them do shy away a little bit from being, like, the female main character is a model and is, like, the picturesque beauty like they try to like you it's know. like she happens to be yeah gorgeous. she happens to be and yeah. this is very explicitly like she's the daughter of a model and she's gorgeous and like everyone looks at, a, at her when she walks into a room but you also see like her personality behind that you see how she struggles with that she's very naive i mean mm-hmm. the fact that this her mentor edward you know had all these dinner dates with her and said it was mentoring like he clearly was trying to get with her and he becomes a little bit more obsessed with her and and sending her like emails and Mm -hmm. flowers and stuff as the book goes on and she just like didn't see that he Mm -hmm. was like trying to manipulate her which i i totally understand i totally understand yeah yeah but i did think that was really authentic too that she's suddenly in this position where everyone else is seeing her as some seductress you know attractive woman trying to steal the 40 year old anchorman and really she's just like i have no idea what's going on and i didn't assume that people were that terrible and that he would be trying to do that with me he's like 40 yes i i would say out of all of her books this one for me had like some of the highest sexual tension and angst so many back and forth yeah Yeah. and i this is also like a a good roommate trope because they live in the house together and And there's a lot of jealousy moments Mm -hmm. and when they do start 
having an intimate relationship, they keep it a secret from everybody else. Yep. So there's that forbidden aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great book. It was really I, good. I actually didn't, I thought I had read her entire catalog and then just this past week I was looking through it to get ideas and I was like, oh, I don't remember. Did I just forget that I read this book? Yeah. I, I reread it again this week and I, I reread it again overnight. Like, <laughs> of course. So good. Yeah. Okay. Last book? Yeah. Last book. Because <laughs> like talked about her whole catalog. Uh, this one I did not reread, so my re- recollection is not as good as the others, but this one is called Undertow. It's between Mora and Nate. It is a second chance romance. It's another beach-based romance. She does a lot of stuff at the beach. What, you're like, you're gu- just, gushing over there. No, yeah, my hands are in prayer. Um, <laughs> I also read this a long time ago, so I don't, and I didn't reread it for this, but I fucking loved this book. Yeah. I remember reading it, and then I was like, Kristen, did you know this book existed? What? How did we miss this? Okay, wait, I withdraw my statement that no one like us had the highest angst. It had really good sexual yeah, tension. This one, has, so this much one angst. has like emotional Ugh, angst. This is like, like crazy. Yes. Like one of the highest amazing. I've ever read. It's really good. Yeah, so. And I don't think we should give. No, no, I'm not going to. Yeah. But it's a single point of view. This book flips between the past and the present. It's a second chance. Mm-hmm. Mora is 22. She's finishing college and has plans to study law. Um, after she graduates and just before she finishes college her like a friend a family friend that she's known forever Ethan comes and asks her out on a date and she's like okay yeah like she doesn't have like super strong feelings with him but they begin dating somehow she ends up at the beach and I can't remember how is it where she's from yeah, I think her family. Yeah, spent okay. Every so she goes. There. She goes back to her her house. She where... spent every summer there. That's how yeah. She that's right. That's right. Friends. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes. She ends up traveling. So she's dating this person, but she travels to the beach. I think they're in North Carolina. I want to say something like that. And it's this place called Paradise Cove where her grandparents had lived. Her grandparents have passed now, but she had spent every summer there. And when she was younger, she became friends with Nate, who was I think the housekeeper's son, and like lived on the property in like a carriage house or something Mm -hmm. so they become friends when they're younger and it's kind of a classic childhood friends to lovers relationship where like they're best buds and then as the summers progress and they enter their teenage years they start to become more than that and they have all summer she shows up with boobs it's crazy yeah and he's he's what two years older than she is yeah i think so so. he's a little more advanced he starts having relationships with women a little bit sooner yeah she's like you know, has to deal with having this huge crush on him and then seeing him. Yes. Be but, but something miraculous. happens. Yeah. And she ends up going, Amora ends up leaving the beach and she's very upset about having to leave. I won't divulge the situation, but she kind of, she basically just thinks like she's, she's had to leave Nate, but as far as she knows. He was about to go off to college. Yeah. Like as far as she knows, yeah. like it's just, it's just sad on her behalf because she misses him, but nothing else is wrong. She comes back to the beach now. She's dating this guy, Ethan. Mm-hmm. It's been five years. And it turns out that Nate is still around. She runs into him. And he fucking hates her. He is clearly... Like, he's not just, like, mean to her. He despises her. And it's very clear. And she has no idea why. And she's struggling with it. She is still staying in her grandmother's house. Nate is still living in the carriage Nate house. Nate is still living in the carriage mother, house. Because his mother has died and now he's yes. living in her So they're having this, they live on the same property over the summer. But he hates her and she is kind of like, well, I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. And I think she tries to approach him a few times. But he he's very much like, I don't want anything to do with you. And she's hurt by it, but she just kind of yeah, goes on doing what she's doing. They obviously end up having, like, more interactions that are pretty high tension. To read this book, you have to be okay seeing the male hero be with other women. Because Nate, I don't know, fucks everything with Clicks. legs. Constantly bringing women home <laughs> Constantly, in front of her. In front of her. Like, it's yeah. it's very angsty. And at the same time, she's dating Ethan, and he's around too. And so there is this, like, super angsty high mm. tension between them. Or, like, she's feeling jealousy about these women that Nate is bringing home. But he's obviously displaying some anger every time Ethan is around as well. Yeah, and I will say this one has... The heroine in this book is interesting because she really doesn't have a lot of backbone for a lot of the book. 
and her parents want her to marry Ethan. It's a match made in heaven. They could stay on the beach, and their kids could still, you know, they. He they lived, have a, he also they have a, a way, fancy house. They There's, have a way that they want her life to go. Yes, because her parents are wealthy and, mm-hmm. and they live in this community and they want her to perpetuate that. And she kind of goes with it for a long time and has a really hard time telling them that it's not what she wants. So, yeah. So there's just... I just... I was so happy at the end of this book for them because I was so invested in their relationship and all the things... There's so many ways that the world around them tries to separate them and tries to make their relationship not work and then when they do come together you're just it's like so fucking satisfying second chance romance that's also childhood friends to lovers Mm -hmm. is one of my Mm all-time favorite combo tropes it's so good it yeah when it's done right it's done right this book reminded me a lot of love and other words by christina lauren which is also a childhood friends to lovers second chance just in the sense that like again they like we're kids, then they are teenagers, something happens, and then they're apart for a long time, and sort of they reunite, but, like, one of them is angry at each other, and it's sort of like a, I don't know why, situation, yeah. but. Yeah. So this, I think, if you were to read, if you have not read any Elizabeth O'Rourke, I would definitely start with Waking Olivia, because that is just an exceptional book. If you want something sort of high angst, I would go for under, Undertow, and then. Or if, No One But Us. I, Undertow is way higher angst. It is, no but like they, the stakes are so much higher in Undertow. No, yeah, that's true. But I feel like No One But Us and Undertow are pretty different from the Devil series. No, yeah, I was gonna say the Devil series. If you want something just like super light and fun and like, it's like a they're good not, they're, not, they're not super light, but they're they're, they're pretty. But they're light. not they're not as heavy angst on this. Yeah, and like um, Devil series, I would read like literally on the beach. Undertow, I need to be like under a blanket with some like hot chocolate and some yeah. tissues. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But they're all really great. Really quick honorable mention is just the Parallel series. And if you want to hear more about those books, you should listen to our time travel episode, which I was up early in our catalog. Yeah. Elizabeth has four books in the Parallel series. They're, they're two duets. So books one and two are a story and books three and four are a different story. They are time travel. So it's like paranormal. They're really, really good. Same kind of like slow burn sexual angst real good steam but with the paranormal element and there's sort of like a the last two are more more about time travel and the first two are more about sort of alternate realities but they're fantastic mm-hmm. and they all they all link together at some point as we said every one of her books is amazing so go read them elizabeth we love you please give us more books <laughs> please give us more, more books and like we want to talk to you too so. yes oh my gosh please come on the podcast that would we'll make also my life. be very happy to do some early reviews if you want for your <laughs> yeah. next one Kristen just wants to read your catalog sooner i just yeah, yeah. i do <laughs> yeah. okay uh yeah well tell us I yeah if you if you've not read elizabeth o'rourke or even if you have tell us what your favorite one is mm-hmm. if this encourages you to re- pick up some elizabeth o'rourke Shoot us a note and let us know what you thought. Mm-hmm. You can reach us at hello at loveandpodcast.com. We're also on social media at love and underscore podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. Thanks, lovers. Go love yourselves. Bye. Bye.